Hey, this is Eastlake BBA, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you. We hope this builds your faith. Enjoy the message. My name is Shauna, and I am a recovered alcoholic. And I say recovered because I have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And when I say that, um, I say that because that's what it tells me here in this book, right? But more than that, like in my alcoholism, like I was hopeless. Um, In step one, it tells me that I'm powerless over alcohol. Um, When I put a drink in my body, I immediately want more and I can't stop. I never know when I'm going to stop. Somebody told me really early on that this disease is threefold and I didn't understand what that meant until I came into these rooms and really got into the work in this book. And that threefold means that it's a, um, a physical allergy, a mental obsession, and a spiritual malady, right? So the physical allergy being the powerlessness of my alcoholism, the, the part where I put it in my body and my body reacts to it and says, I need more of this. And when I'm removed from that alcohol, my mind immediately thinks like, oh, we can do that again. You know, that was fine. It was fine. It wasn't that bad. Like, you know, the drunken nights when I don't remember what I was doing or, um, you know, the drugs that I was doing when I was drunk and I normally wouldn't have done that. Like, I was like, oh, I'll never try that drug. (laughs) And here we are. Um, You know, the, the stealing from stores that like, I like in in sobriety or like my normal life before I I started drinking like I would never do something like that and here I am just filling my purse with shit that doesn't belong to me you know Um, and I came to understand that the only way to fix these things um, was to fix this spiritual malady that I have and malady means disease so my spirit is diseased for whatever reason. And through all of this work that I have done, I have found, I'm never gonna know the reason. I mean, I'd like to, I try, but um, when I look back at my life though, you know, the way that I grew up, uh, my parents were um, addict, alcoholic, and uh, my dad died in his addiction. Um, I was the oldest of four. So I spent a lot of time um, taking care of my siblings and, um, you know, always trying to uh, avoid the next bad thing that was going to happen in my house. You know, like when I come home from from school, like you never knew what it was going to be like. And so in doing that, it was for me, it looked like making sure that the house was clean so that I didn't get yelled at that it wasn't. looking for approval from the other people in my life so that I knew that I was doing something right. I just so desperately wanted um, to be heard. You know, I was going through so much chaos and, and turmoil and I felt like nobody saw me. And, um, you know, when I, when I was in high school, I remember like I never had, I, I was friends with everyone. I was part of every group and like I hung out with everyone, but I never had like one close friend because I, and I didn't recognize it until later, obviously, until we get into this work, but um, I couldn't allow anybody close enough because um, one, we moved all the time. So they, they leave, you know, I lose them, abandonment issues. Um, and then also like they couldn't, I couldn't let them see what was happening in my life. Um, my dad was in and out of prison. Um, my mom sold drugs. Um, so the spiritual malady started really, really young for me. Um, I remember when I was like five years old, I, and it reminds me of the part in the bedevilments, which I'm going to read in a minute, um, the prey to misery and depression part of it. I was five and I was, we were at recess and I was just kind of off by myself. And I had this teacher come up to me and she was like, is everything okay? And I was perfectly fine. But in that moment, like I'm getting some attention. Right. And I'm like, no, nobody wants to play with me. And I'm like, and even in my own little like five-year-old mind, I'm like, are you serious right now? (laughs) Um, But this is what I did, you know, seeking some sort of attention, some sort of comfort is what it, it was comfort that I was looking for. 
and um, she ended up, you know, finding some little kid that played with me. But like that was that's like one of my first memories of like seeking something outside of myself so that I can feel better. Um, and my life went on like that for a very long time. I mean, I didn't even I don't even think I drank for the very first time when I was 15 and it was, you know, a blackout drunk, but I didn't do that very often. And I, so I didn't really like get into like the place where I crossed that line that we cross, um, until my mid twenties. And, uh, and I knew that there was no coming back from that place. Um, so I'm going to read the bedevilments because they're so important to this in my opinion. So it says we were having trouble in personal relationships. Like I now, like in, in my addiction, like all I could think was like, why do you care? Like, it's not affecting you. Like I drink, I can stop whenever I want to. I just don't want to, you know, like I was still working and I was still taking care of the things I'm supposed to take care of. But was I really like, no, you know, my work was, I'm suffering and I'm showing up late and I'm not paying bills on time. And, you know, and that was just the beginning of my alcoholism. Like at the end, like I didn't even have a job, but you know, in that, like my personal relationships were affected dramatically. And now that I'm sober, um, my, my younger sister is, um, she should come to these rooms and decide if she's an alcoholic. Um, but I'm watching the same events take place and she has three kids the oldest one is you know dealing with the same kind of issues that I dealt with and it's it's a terrible thing to watch and she's she's she says the same thing you know I can stop I just don't want to and I'm like the fact that it's a problem in your personal relationships in and of itself means it's a problem <laughs> she's you know I can talk to her like that because she's my sister <laughs> But, um, you know, and I had to, like, it's funny, like, how I go through the, this work and I work with another alcoholic or I talk to my sister and um, these things are, like, at the forefront of my mind. I'm like, holy shit, that was my life. Like, that's what I said. Um, it says we couldn't control our emotional natures. I mean, that's me all the time, even in sobriety, so I'm going to skip that one. Um, we were prey to misery and depression, the one that I was talking about earlier. Um, the prey part being that for me like if i feel like my alcoholism is like a like a shadow that's just lingering there waiting for me to come to a place like some really shitty things have happened this year to me um so i say to me because it's all about me um <clears throat> my best friend relapsed my grandma died um my boyfriend left uh, my sister and i got into a physical altercation um, I had some other losses that were uh, pretty tragic in my life. And in this, like, I want, like, the, it, I'm prey to that, right? Like, I, I start to get upset and I, I'm not getting what I want. And, um, you know, I'm losing things that mean something to me. And so I'm, I'm, I've opened myself up somehow to this misery and depression. And if I allow it, if I let that alcoholism seep its way back into my life, like I will let it overtake me. Um, we couldn't make a living, which again, like at the end of it, like I wasn't, I couldn't even hold down a job. I would go through job after job after job. And at some point, like I wasn't even working anymore. I was living in a garage. Um, we had a feeling of uselessness, like even for my own self of getting up and taking a shower, like it was difficult for me to do. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. So when I came here and recognized that I had this spiritual malady, then the question is, okay, but what do I do about that? You know, and everybody being in here taught me um you know that that god is going to fix that for me and of course my reaction you know you say spiritual and i hear religion and i bristle with antagonism and i'm like mm, i don't think we want to do that though um but what i came to find was that 
God didn't have a problem with me. I had a problem with God. You know, I had these needs and these desires in life. I wasn't getting what I wanted. Um, I wasn't treated the way I wanted. I was losing things that I desired. And it was God's fault. So that was a really hard thing for me to get, get behind. And even just saying the word God, like it just made me like really uncomfortable. Um, but at the end of the day, like that literally is the thing that keeps me sober. Like I said, like all the things that I've been through this, this year alone, um, it took me to, to that, that place again, where I have a problem with God. And I start, I really had to like dig deep and look at it. Like the, the layers are being peeled yet again. I'm on my knees yet again, like however many years into sobriety and I'm still being pruned for whatever God needs me to do. And I had to understand that. Like, this isn't about me. My life is none of my business. Like I go out into the world and I, you know, am of service to the people who I work for, the people who I sponsor, my family who is fully still in their addiction. You know, this is, this is my path. This book tells me that the purpose is to fit ourselves enough to be of maximum service to God and to others. And that's what I had to come to understand here. And it wasn't easy, you know, it was a lot of hemming and hawing and, you know, complaining about the fact that I feel um, disconnected and that there's something blocking my way from the sunlight of the spirit. And, you know, and I, I have these wonderful people in AA who guide me and help me and love me when I can't, don't feel like I can do it for myself. And I continue to like, say these things and when I realize like when I say it out loud I realize how ridiculous I am because again like God isn't the problem I'm the problem you know and it's and that's like what it's been from the beginning when I'm in myself right when I'm in my own mind when I start thinking that I can solve my own problems when I take back my will you know my mind goes you know last night I was laying in bed and I'm you know like I said my sister is in her alcoholism or in a bottle, however you want to put it. Um, and there were some things that happened yesterday and um, I found, found out some things about my nephew, the oldest, and I was having like a rough night. I couldn't sleep and my mind was going a million miles a minute. And all I could think was, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. And because when I, when my mind takes over, like my mind becomes God and all of a sudden I have all the answers. I have it all figured out and I'm going to do this and I'm going to say this and this is how we're going to manage this. And like, this is what my, what my life was like, you know, growing up the way that I did. So it comes automatically and very easily for me to just take charge. Like I'm going to take over, everything's going to be fine. And at the end of the day, I fuck it all up. And like nothing happens the way that I thought it was gonna happen. I have like this great plan. Everybody's gonna make out because of it. And like everybody's gonna be taken care of and it fails every time. So I'm laying there last night and I'm like, I'm gonna need you to take this cause I don't have shit. I got nothing here. And I like, it took me like five minutes and I was out like a light. And I woke up this morning and I was like, oh, thank God. Um, so I still have six minutes left. You're good. You're doing great. <laughs> um, hmm. So going back to the um, how I fix this, right? So how I fix this is coming to an understanding that there is a power greater than myself that is going to restore me to sanity. And that being as difficult as it was for me, um, you know, the chapter of the agnostics makes it very clear to me that I don't have to rely on my previous conception of God. And I know I shared a little bit about this before. Um, you know, I know that when I go out and I buy a car, I do all the research and I check all the prices and I find the one that I want. And, you know, I make sure that like everything's in place before I go purchase something like that, right? If, um, if I'm buying a house or if I'm buying dry goods out there, like I'm gonna make sure I know who's got the best stuff at the best price, right? But when it comes to like my conception of God, 
I just take my old ideas and think that this is what it is. And like, I sit with it and I'm right because, you know, cause I'm right about everything. But like, I don't do my due diligence. I don't like do the research and like, and, and try to give this a chance. Um, and so I had to realize that in here and really take a good look at my own behavior and like what, I, what I'm willing to do. Cause what I'm, you know, my book asks me, am I willing to go to any lengths? Like I'm willing to go to any lengths to get the drug or the drink, right? So why am I not willing to go to any lengths to find out if God's gonna save me from this insanity that I'm living? And so I had to concede to that. I'm willing to go to any lengths. If I'm sitting in the back of the room and I'm not sponsoring anyone, it's because I don't want to. Not because I'm not capable of it, you know? So if I can't find this power greater than myself, it's because I don't want to. And that's kind of where I've been lately is like, and I don't know, you know, I don't know what brings me to that. Well, I do because the pain is comfortable. I know what that is. I know what pain looks like and I'm comfortable there. There's no greater change no greater pain in not changing than the change itself but i settle for that because it's what i'm comfortable with you know um so i keep moving and i keep doing this and i keep coming here and i keep sponsoring women and i keep showing up to these meetings and speaking when asked to speak and um, my life dramatically gets better. Like, I don't even really have to try. I just have to show up. Like, I just have to do what this book asks me to do. And that is all I've got. So, thanks for letting me share. Hi, Mer Alcoholic. Um, thank you so much for your lead. That was awesome. Um, I can relate in so many ways. I'm so grateful that I came today. Um, spiritual malady, yeah, I didn't realize that um, I needed a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity. Um, I always believed in God and I always had a relationship with him, so I thought, you know, praying, you know, doing all the things that I had done um, when I um, relapsed for two years, um, that would save me, but um, realizing that I had to turn over my will to him, um, was another thing. But anyways, you know, I've done my steps two times through just regular AA. Um, and when I did my steps through that, um, it made me realize that um, I always believed in God, but I just didn't trust him to take care of me. So that's always been a thing. But now, you know, I'm starting the process of doing my steps through the BBA way. So um, doing the set-aside prayer constantly has been um, really helpful for me. And um, you just talked about so many things that I'm just like, um, I don't even know where to touch on. But I guess um, I wanted to get up here because that's where I've been too. Like um, when I got in my third year, something just shifted in me. All these like feelings and um, thoughts started coming in, and it just you know the awareness that I'm my problem. Like you know, like alcohol has been far removed. I don't have the desire to drink, but my solution for life, like you know, the self-centeredness. Um, like at my best, I'm really trying to like make things work for the greater good but it always ends up like causing chaos and it's like, you know, I did it again type of thing. And even now, like I'm succeeding in my career and you know, this God hole that the void that started building and to see that, you know, I thought I was getting what I wanted and to see that it was becoming not enough and like the anxiety of it all was just getting greater. And it's just, uh, just to see the setup that of my ego, like, you know, it had, run me into a circle again where I had stopped going to my morning meetings and stopped doing my inventory and stopped praying. I didn't even realize I wasn't praying because that's what my disease does to me, right? It just slowly walks me away from God when I'm trying to do his will type of thing. And so I'm just so grateful for these meetings and um, the people that God has placed in my life that's guiding me back to, to him. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Louie and I am an alcoholic. Hello. 
This is going to be a distraction. I'm not used to being up here like an MC, but uh, thank you. I haven't seen most of you in a while, so it's nice to see some familiar faces. Um, Shauna, before you get away, thank you for your share. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, you know, um, she mentioned a lot. There's a lot of stuff in that big book that uh, tells me how I act and how I behave in the day that I'm in. And uh, I needed to uh, go through the process of, um, you know, the big book and um, find other study groups and work the steps. And recently I've been reaching out, you know, to um, a few buddies of mine and, uh, you know, uh, like my disease wants to tell me, you know, things that um, now that, you know, that um, that I don't need a God. I don't need to rely on any kind of power because I still want to be the power. And that's the same way I came in, come, you know, in the very beginning was it um, being that being the power and not realizing that, you know, I'm in the way. And so I struggled with step two, you know. And um, I guess I had to feel things because it, one, uh, somebody told me, you know, when we come in here and, and, and the solution is gone, meaning alcohol, I'm no longer drinking. Um, I'm starting to feel things like you mentioned. And, and um, I am the same man drunk as I am sober. And therefore I had to surrender to find this power, you know, and find this God. And um, I, I grew up religious too, really, you know, and, and um, I, I think what sucked is my attitude in judging the people of religion because how dare they, you know, go to church on Sunday and then they go all week and they sin and they, you know, and I was being a really critical of folks and it pushed me away from religion, you know, a lot. It pushed me a lot away from God. And my ego mind was, you know, in my in in um, blocking me off from that connection, like it says in the book there, and um, I, I I you know went ahead and studied a few more books, read the papers about Marty Mann, uh, compliance versus surrender, you know, and um, and I found out that you know that deep deep down in my core my core beliefs you know I have this childlike infantile ego you know, and with feelings of omnipotence. And um, I find fault in the world. My mind finds fault. I have, you know, I have something going on in my head that, you know, finds fault with everything. And I need relief from that. Although, and one way is to drink, right? But I don't want to drink because that produces effects and results in, in a negative way. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thrusted into this to rely on this God, you know, and to ask him for help. And little by little, I've been helping out, you know, people here and there. I'm where I attend meetings. And uh, I'm, I'm learning something about humility, you know. Like you go and do something nice for somebody. And, and um, you know, the feeling there, it lingers inside. It, it sits in your soul, you know. And, and it stays with you and you feel good about it. But like, if you go and tell somebody, eh, it's gone, you know, it goes away, you know? So you, I guess I have to be quiet about it and just, you know, come up here and say, I, you know, that I'm not the most humble guy in the world, just, but just by doing it. And I think that's the solution that I'm finding out, you know, lately that, you know, if I think less of myself and I just help others and not tell everybody about it, it stays inside me and I'm more at peace and I can communicate with this higher power, you know, and um, not find fault with anybody. Or like, here's an example of one of my buddies tells me that, you know, you're like one of the guys that goes to the grocery store and counts the 10 item or less line people. Like you got 12 items, you know, what, what are you doing here? You know, you should be over there in the regular line. And, you know, uh, I'm gonna have a conversation with the manager, manager and tell him he's not doing his job. And then I'm gonna to explain to the judge that I was justified by punching the manager, you know? And that's where I go. And, and Alcoholics Anonymous is just a beautiful program because it allows me to see all of this dysfunction, all of this stuff that goes on in my daily life, you know, and how I can not go there. 
you know. So my time is up, but um, again, you know, it's yeah, it's all ego. So thank you. Thank you, thank you Hi, my name is Carmelita, and I am an alcoholic. I have been recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and for that, I am forever grateful. Um, Thanks for your share. Thanks for your lead, Shauna, and uh, thanks everybody for participating tonight. And and I got to thinking about <clears throat> on page 64 in the big book, it talks about, um, and this is just prior to going into the fourth step, and it says, when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. And um, before then, it talks about that resentment is the number one offender, and from all of it, uh, stems uh, spiritual uh, disease and um, I was the kind of person when I got to uh, my bottom um, as uh, nasty as it was um, I still wanted to be, have the solution if you took away the drink and you took away the drug clean and sober then um, I thought everything would just work out perfectly and it didn't as a matter of fact when I got sober I got sicker and I got sicker simply for the fact I kept trying other things externally to fix me to make me feel better and you know and Bill talks about it Bill W talks about it that you know our problem is where we're constantly seeking outside ourselves to feel better trying to fill that void trying to fill that hole within us with something and sometimes it works briefly and then we're more depressed more upset more angry more frustrated and so i you know i got clean and sober and my life didn't get better it got worse because <laughs> i didn't have anything to fix it and and thank god when i came across information in the big book about a solution that there was a solution and there was things that i needed to do in order to clean up some stuff so that solution can come in and be a part of my life and um, I've recently, too, have gone through some uh, transitionings, and I am so blessed to have access to a power that has allowed me to walk through it with dignity and grace. I didn't have to get mean. I didn't get, have to get hurtful, spiteful, gossip, carry on, a lot of drama. Having access allowed me to, to do something the cleanest I've ever done in my life in a transition, you know. So I'm truly glad to be here, and I'm glad Shauna invited me out to the meeting tonight. And uh, right after the uh, meditation, I was texting a guy that works at a facility near here and saying, oh, this would be a great meeting to bring some of the guys on Monday night. So that So... Um, glad you guys are here. Thank you. Nobody wants to speak, so I will talk a little. My name is Devin. I am an alcoholic. And uh, Shaina, Shaina, thank you very much for your share. Uh, my goodness. Uh, this is uh, what it saved my life. What you just said. You know... Uh, tomorrow is going to be my fifth anniversary of, uh, of to be a member of AEA. You know, I, I'm being around, you know, around Alcoholics Anonymous since 1987. And uh, I was always uh, a drunk, uh, dry drunk because I didn't know anything. I was not educated about what this program is all about. It. And... Uh, that's why we talk about today this, this spiritual malady, you know? And I never heard that, word, heard that word in my life. I can't imagine anybody being ill, you know, a spiritual ill. So for me, you know, like, uh, uh, it was a craziest uh, thing to, to, that I can, you know, believe that this program was a spiritual. So anyway, to make this story short, uh, since, uh, you know, one of the ladies said over there, when you straight up this, this spiritual malady, things are going to change for you. And that's what happens to me. This is exactly what happened 
When I find out that God was not what I thought that God was, that uh, when I find out that the, that the guy that, you know, that I have now, you know, the guy that I have a deal with it now, the guy that works with me every day, you know, the guy that, you know, guide me every single day, doesn't punish me, you know? Like the, the God that I know, you know, uh, uh, it was this, uh, the, this guy that was over me t- day and night, you know? Uh, so I find out that uh, that God didn't ex- the, 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 uh, doesn't exist, you know? That guy that is always, you know, that you can't do anything right for crying out loud, that everything that you do is wrong. Even, you, you know, everything that you're thinking is wrong, you know? So I live all my life thinking that I was worthless, you know, that I'm going to go to hell every single day because I was a sinner all the goddamn time for crying out loud. You know, and when I find out over here in this program that God in, 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 in AA is nothing but love, that, lo- that God embraced me every single morning no matter what the hell I did before, you know, because I've been, you know, carrying this logs of, uh, of lead in my, in, 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 my, in my back all my entire life, you know. And the only, one that I, the, the only way that I was liberated little by little was in this program. And thanks to find out that I have a spiritual melody, that I was a spiritual ill, you know. And after I find out that, you know, that uh, what I found in these rooms is God, Every single time that I walk over here, I see God, I feel God. Because, I, you know, I'm loaded right now of God. You know, my life is, is working for me. You know, like I said before, tomorrow is going to be five, five years. And my life right now, trust me when I tell you, because I have a deal with God every day. My co-workers are happy working with me. I'm so happy to work with them. They embrace me every time that I come to work because what I get now, what I, what I, what I earn in here is love. That thing, I never had love before because I never loved myself before. So now I have something to give, you know. I love myself, so I give you love every single day, you know. I don't have apathy anymore, so I'm fine now that I have, that what I need is a little bit of empathy, you know. So... This is what I got. I'm choking a little bit because uh, uh, sometimes I want you to feel what I feel when we talk these things, I mean, especially regarding God. You know, God and I, we work together every single day. And let me tell you something. It's the best time of my life right now. So I can't wait to come to these rooms. So I thank you for letting me speak. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for your share. Yeah, I could definitely relate, you know, with family. And, like, I know you mentioned your sister. And actually, I just come from helping her. She, today, they closed escrow on her house. And she okay. got to spend the money with her husband and things like that. But um, helped her move a couple things. And I drove her old car. <laughs> she has a, a Camino. And, um, hey, it started. I didn't even think it was going to start. I know it needs some work, but it was interesting, right? And we loaded it up in the back and, you know, being at service, basically. And um, I know I hear, you know, you got to work here. And the fellowship is really good. You know, I know Mike and, I don't know, a couple guys that from here, you know, from this meeting, we went to this Alpine retreat. And we got one in Tucson going coming up in uh, October. And, man, staying connected to people that are working it, you know, that's the key, you know, like hanging out with people that are serious about this and it rubs off, you know? And I feel so blessed to be able to hear from people that have 37 plus years of sobriety and I see them with that elder energy, you know, and I, I really respect that age, you know, um, and seeing how happy they are, you know, and that gives me hope, you know? So yeah, we did that and we took our, the trailers out there and we we're camping out and, and man, it was just fun, you know? Uh, I worry about my sister, you know, but again, I can't, I can't carry her. So I'm living the example. Like right now, I dropped her off. She's all anxious, you know, and I just told her, Dora, I said, um, I love you. 
Because that's what we were taught, you know, over the weekend is the fact that uh, we got to deflate our ego, be humble, be at service, you know, compassion, love, all that stuff, uh, anger management, self-awareness, all this stuff came up and we did breakout, you know, sessions and we had some discussions and I was working on growing, you know, because when I wanted to get drunk, I'll find a way. If I ended up across the border, I hit alcohol, I knew who had alcohol and uh, and I worked really hard in keeping my buzz so now i got to work hard on growing and um and i hear about the malady and i could relate you know i could definitely know that my family we got um siblings uh my father uh the struggle you know my dad still drinks now you know and his feet get swollen and and um i came in here um being really upset at him because all the trauma he put us through right chasing my mom with a gun and my mom got tired of living and things like that because all the trauma in the family but now you know what like i love to to love him you know he did the best he can and this takes time going to therapy going to counseling like i figure out how can i be mad at him if his father was even worse you know mm. so now i got to work on myself so my daughter my son you know i got grown kids already grandkids and i know i look young you know but the bottom line is that i gotta be an example to a family keep loving them till they're ready so thank you thank you Luis, alcoholic. Uh, Shana, thank you for your beautiful share. I was making notes as you were uh, speaking. You reminded me that uh, I knew everyone, but I didn't have a close friend growing up. And I was hiding. There was so much trauma that had happened that, um, you know, I, I just didn't, I didn't know how to be a friend, you know? And so definitely I came in here with a spiritual malady. I was angry and um with an ego as it's been brought up you know and uh um and there was, i started writing notes when i kept hearing this word over and over throughout the evening and when i got here i thought i was the problem right and when we've heard it i thought i was the problem and well naturally that feeds into that spiritual malady which is you know, uh, I don't like myself. You may think I like myself, but the reality is you don't even know me, right? Like my family didn't know me. They didn't know how much I was suffering. Um, they were just, they had been, as the, the book says, the whole family at some point just becomes neurotic. Like if you're around one of us, we pull you in. You don't even know it. You know, you are our recovery plan. You help me get up with them. You help me get up after all those blackouts. You take me to the ER. You drive me home. You know, um, you make it seem like it's not that big. It's not that big of a deal, right? You don't even know, right? Like we all have an Al-Anon around us that um, because in essence they don't want to see it either. They don't want to. They don't want to see the truth for what it really is. Because then it's like, oh, I have an alcoholic brother. My husband's an alcoholic, right? My son's an alcoholic. And so, you know, God says, say he's got other words for us. He says that we are his masterpiece. God says I'm his child. You know, and, and as I come in here, I know I didn't trust God. The book says, trust God, clean house. Find a new attitude and a new relationship with our Creator. And when you don't, when you've been running away from God, that's the biggest challenge. So we create this higher power of whatever that may be, and that's what I did. You know, eventually the group would become my higher power, my HP, God. But I'm kind of don't want, you know, I'm talking in essence. But I don't know if He's real yet, so I'm just kind of. I think I'm just kind of talking to myself. Right, but that's where the faith part comes in, because I start to see that I believe that it works in Michael's life, right? I believe that it works in Tiffany's life. I believe that it's working in Louis's life, and I believe that it's working in uh, what was his name, Coach Jim's life. And these are the people who were there when I, you know, the the people ahead of me. I start to believe, and as they take tokens. Which is why these meetings, coming to meetings is so important in the beginning. Because I start to be able to help set up. I start to 
to help put things away. And these are things that I didn't do in my own home, you know? And so it, I start to be transformed by the spirit that's flowing through these rooms. Because I want to be part of. Because you guys say I can be part of. And little by little, the spiritual malady starts to, you know, and, um, and that creates this desire for me to want to do the steps. And from this, doing the steps, I start to hook up with God. And um, so if I'm a, a child of God, I'm a child of God with a problem. That's the truth. I have a problem, but I'm not the problem. I have a problem. And there's a solution. Because that's, what that's what's in the big book. You know, and so in this drama of life, there's going to continue to be events. Right? And so the decision will be, do I still try to figure out in my mind all about myself? Or do I start to pray and meditate about it? Do I start to learn to let go and let God? Start to let things be. Right? I like that when you shared that one with us, Octavio. And, um, but eventually, too, I got to ask, I come to this question, which is, and I'll wrap it up. Who does my higher power say I am? Like, if your higher power isn't saying all these beautiful things about you, maybe ask someone that you look up to in this program about what their higher power says about you about what their higher power says about them, you know? Because the reality is, that's what it means to, God's saying, I wanna care for you. I wanna take care of you. You know, I wanna be there with you in your lows and your highs, you know? And so I'm just very grateful, you know, for being here, and that's all I have, thanks. Hi, my name is Oliver, and I'm an alcoholic. And this topic is dear to my, to my heart, man. And thank you so much for sharing. I love what you said when you were five years old, that that was the first time they looked for something outside to fill your void inside, and that was amazing. And you know, for me, this, this part of the book, I mean, this, I, I never understood this until I came to BBA. That's the reality of things. You know, I, I always felt different. I always felt unworthy. I always felt like I didn't belong. I have always said that I, I, I was born in a world that I never understood, man. Everything was too hard, everything was, I was too touchy, it was way too sentimental, everything was amazing or it was horrible. I wanted to conquer the world or die in it. I mean, it was always an extreme and I, I was never able to control that, you see? So when I come here the first time around, they tell me that I'm powerless over alcohol and that's the least of my problems I come to figure out. You know what I'm truly powerless of today, when I understood spiritual malady, why is this so powerful for me, man? Because I was born this way. You see, feeling insufficient for me was natural. That's, I mean, you know, I guess that an athlete, he feels like he's an athlete when he was, I don't know how they feel, man, but I felt unworthy. I felt useless. I felt way too sensitive. Life was very difficult and I never understood why. I always labeled myself as a coward or as crazy or as all these things, man, but never sick, you see? So today I understand that the spiritual malady is part, it's an essential part of my disease. I mean, you said it wonderfully, it's three parts, you know, my physical allergy, my, my mental obsession, my spiritual malady. And when, I, when the spiritual maladies overcome everything else, it doesn't matter anymore. Because I don't need that outside force to fill this void that I was born with. So you know, just to come to that realization, man, that no matter what I do, right, on my own power, I'm not going to be able to overcome it. I tried my hardest, man, for 47 years of my life. I worked hard, man. I made money. I got married twice. I have kids. I was popular. I wasn't popular. I mean, everything that the world could offer, man, the damn void didn't fill. You know, I could see my bank account grow and grow and grow and grow, but I was as empty as I was when it was empty. A little bit more comfortable, I, I can't lie. I mean, I had more money to buy toys and do stuff, but, but the emptiness was always there, man. So for me to understand that, that was, that's what alcoholism is, it's not just about drinking, man. Why is it that I drink? Why is it that I need to get something that it's out of me to fill this void? 
And then when, when I came in here, I, got, I was really screwed because they said that the only solution that I have to this malady is in a spiritual experience. That's when it got really hard. That's when I hit a roadblock in my recovery because I couldn't understand how something that I can't see, that I can't touch, that I cannot hear, man, can cure me of something that I have suffered all my life. I mean, I thought that money did it, or my marriages, or my kids, or my friends, or fishing, or hunting, or whatever I do that I like, but it never did. So having faith at the beginning, man, it's, 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 it's so difficult. And today I understand that 12 by 12 says that the, the, the way that we gain faith is through action, and I think it's right. So at the beginning I just started acting as if, and all of a sudden when I started seeing results, I could become spiritual, then faith came in. You know, and today something really strange happens in my life. I have to be very humble every day. For me, humility is very, 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 very important. I have the big shot syndrome. If I get something, man, I get it so hard, man, that I just want to teach it to everybody. I want to tell everybody how the things are done. And if you don't agree with me, I get angry, right? Because I found something that helped my life and is going to help all of you all. That's not the way it is, man, but that's something that I have. So I have to remember that everything that I have today, that spiritual malady, if I am powerless, means that I don't have the power to fix it. Everything that I have today has been given to me by a power greater than myself, which I choose to call God. And for me, it's so important to remind myself of that every day. If not, I start separating myself from you guys. I start competing with you guys. I start judging you guys. I start uh, putting conditions on who I can love and who I, I should hate. And, and just my life turns to shit, right? Because then again, my thoughts become God. Like you said, that I love it. So for me, it's very, very important every day to remind myself that I do have a condition. You know, I read books about manifestation and all these spiritual guys and all these guys that says that the worst thing that you can do to yourself is slavery yourself as something. But you know, unfortunately to me, I cannot forget that I am an alcoholic, I'm recovered, but I will die an alcoholic. And what does that mean? That I have to give my power away every day in order for that spiritual malady to be removed because I cannot remove it myself. Thank you. My name is Halbert. Pat, I'm an alcoholic, drug addict. I'm recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Thanks, Shauna. That was great. I really relate to all that. Um, I was not the oldest child, and my parents are not addicts or alcoholics. Um, but I can still relate to the, uh, the spiritual malady. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious when I got here that I thought the problem was alcohol, you know, and you start going through this book and it starts talking about all this <laughs> stuff, you know, God and all, you know, stuff we're going to have to do. It's like, boy, I just want to, you know, the, the problem is just the drinking and the drugs. Why not just stop that and, be, and just get on with my life, right? But it just doesn't work that way, you know? Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and I, uh, I like that you talked about the three parts of the disease, physical, mental, and spiritual. Yeah, we come in here, and it seems like the problem is I can't stop drinking, I can't stop using. But then underneath that, you know, when I look a little deeper and ask the questions um, that we do in this work, it's like, well, why is it that whenever I'm sober for a period of time, why do I start again, you know? So then I find out that, I, you know, I have this mental obsession, and then beneath all of that when all uh you know um even if i'm sober for a period of time why am i still restless irritable discontent um never satisfied nothing's ever good enough and i can remember this is what i can relate to you i remember at a very young age having that feeling uh of never being satisfied i mean um and i i remember i did some work with uh with jose and we we kind of traced it back and I found out that, fuck, I, I made a decision at a very young age that my family was nothing to me and I was gonna go and, 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 and satisfy myself without my family, you know, which meant I was gonna go outside the family and make friends and get into drugs and alcohol and, and uh, feel like I belonged, you know, and then what happened was I thought then, you know, the first time I drank, I was 10 years old. And then, then I got into drugs when I was like 13. And then by, at 14, I was a crystal meth addict, went to rehab when I was 15. But it, those years of my life, the only thing that was important to me was drugs and alcohol. 
where's the next party going to be? That, that's, I didn't have any goals for, for school or a career. As long as I could party, that's all I cared about. And not knowing at the time, but because that was the only thing, you know, being able to, to change the way I felt and thought was the only thing that made life okay for me. It just was, I was just getting through life, you know? Um, just being super uncomfortable all the time. And, and, uh, and I always thought it was the other people around, you know, my family, my brothers, my sister, my parents. I blamed all them for years. And, um, and then after getting sober, you know, um, I had, uh, I'd become an only parent to my sons and, and they were addicts. And now I'm trying to control and fix them, you know, and I'm thinking I'm doing the right thing. And I, and I like how um, I was listening to uh, Herb K. He's on YouTube now and he, he's done this work. He doesn't call it Big Book Awakening, but he, he talks about all the same stuff that we talk about, and turning statements into questions, set aside prayer, all that stuff. And he talks about uh, the spiritual malady is, as being, he just calls it the will. <laughs> The problem of the will so I and I like that because sometimes my will I have good intentions but you know the way I try to force my will it, it just doesn't work you know it's 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 uh, and then they use you know the, of course religion uses the word sin missing the mark so my I might have willpower which is good you know but I'm missing I'm missing it you know I'm not I'm making a mistake for me to make that decision about my family, that was a huge mistake that I made at a very young age. And obviously it had the consequences of that decision that I made at seven or eight years old where it was devastating. You know, I'm lucky to even be alive today, you know. So, um, so anyway, uh, this program, the very beginning, just being willing to even want to have anything to do with the higher power was the beginning for me. And, and, you know, even, you know, even before that being, you know, uh, convinced that I have this disease of alcoholism, you know, that, uh, that I could actually see it as a sickness, as a disease that took away a lot of the shame and guilt that I had for the way I'd, I'd, I'd been living my life for so long. You know, I thought it was, it was, you know, I would just, it was real easy to, to, uh, talk bad about myself, put myself down and feel self-pity because of the, you know, the wreckage that I caused in my life and the lives that were ruined by it. But to be able to see it as a disease, that was where it all had to begin for me. And that's, and that's how it was, by the way, for Dr. Bob too. You know, he was already doing spiritual practices to try to solve his drinking, but he didn't, he didn't understand alcoholism as a disease. And it wasn't until Bill shared Dr. Silkworth's description as a disease and then Bill put, had all the pieces put together. Then he, then he got sober, right? And 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 Dr. Bob, being a doctor, you know, that was it was really hard for him to see it as a disease. So anyway, that's all I have. Thanks. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe at eastlakebba.com. You can also help us reach others by spreading the word about our podcast. Thank you for joining us today on the East Lake Big Book Awakening Podcast.